The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod. And you can find Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. In studio today, producer Justin back behind the glass and running the buttons and the keys for us. Who is that Brewers player? You have a shirt, Z. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy. Jonathan, Jonathan Lucroy. You had Arcia, right? Like, like Orlando Arcia. Orlando, yeah, yeah. Early. They're trying to track down Oswaldo Arcia recently. Royce was trying is he, to. Is he lost? <laughs> well, because he signed with like Diablos de Ro- del Rojos in Mexico, but okay. has no stats in the spring training situation or whatever. And so they don't know if he's still with the team or ever showed up. Anyway, that voice you heard there was Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3. He is the co-founder of Zone Coverage. What's what's good today, man? I just want to point this out first. Do you know how old Arcia is off uh, Oswaldo offhand? It's like 27? 27, yeah. yeah. And and like showed promise, it felt like. And he was born in like 91, so yeah. He had 14 home runs his first year, 20 his second, and I think probably like less than 20 total the rest of his MLB career. Yep, and he bounced around. A good, a good quiz would be what teams did he play for after the Twins. Before we get to the guest, who I'm sure could answer that question, uh, thank you so much for your reviews on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Those reviews move us up charts. They get us better advertising, that sort of thing. Basically, it feeds the algorithm that makes us look better than we really are. So keep doing that. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, Spotify. Wherever you find a spot to give us a review, give us five stars. If you don't like the show, let me know what I can do differently because we'd love to have that five-star review. Write a little something. Tell us what you like about the show. Say whatever your favorite kind of ice cream is. I don't care what you say, but leave us that review because it certainly helps us out on the backside of things. Without you, though, the show does not exist, and for the show to go on, we need some support. So thank you so much for listening, and I apologize, too. We are a few days late. The nice thing when you hear people say, hey, where's the show, is it means people care, but I did have some sick girls at my house this week, so uh, wife had the flu, daughter had pink eye, so we've been dealing with that the last couple days. Now, with that said, and without further ado, we have today's guest. You know him as Ryan Turnquist, at two underscore underscore canes with a Z on Twitter, how you doing, buddy? You got a couple sick girls at your house, and there's another sick girl right here. I'm playing a little hurt today. Oh, boy. We're doing all right. You got the man flu, or what's going on? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I've been I've been in bed for a little while here, so we're coming to you live from uh, from my comforter in the dark. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that, that, so there's uh, a visual. The quiet yeah. places no one ever knows. This and is, so this is how Brandon gets bombarded with those open DMs, which is like, Ryan cannot say that ever on a podcast. Yeah, well. We we have to start here, though. Ryan, do you know the other teams that Oswaldo, Oswaldo Arcia played for in Major League Baseball? Diamondbacks, Padres, Marlins. And Rays. And Oh, he was a Ray. Oh, he was a Ray briefly. And I don't right. think okay, he, I missed that one. Yeah. And I don't think he actually played for the Diamondbacks. I think he was like in spring training with them or something like that. Yeah, you know, the Diamondbacks. Right. He, he went to Reno and spent a year there. Yeah, and then went over. I still think he'd be the kind of guy that could go over to Korea, a la Kenny Vargas now, or go overseas and, and just rip it up. But for whatever reason, he decided to go to Mexico. I mean, maybe that's more his speed, uh, Spanish speaking place, but. Haven't seen anything from him. Royce was looking for him. And the sp- <laughs> I, I, I looked at their spring training stats and had them translated from Spanish. I know a little bit of Spanish, but not enough to really survive. And didn't see his name. So I don't know if he didn't figure prominently in any of their spring training games or if he just isn't on the team. Because he doesn't show up on the roster, but it looks like the roster is from a year ago. So I'm I'm not totally sure what all is going on with Oswaldo Garcia, but definitely didn't expect to start the show with that. Actually, no. Can I segue it? Yeah, please do. All right, sorry. Please I, do. I am sabotaging this. Like, literally just do you, you should see shot the, You should hall. see the notes I have prepped for the show. Don't let Tom talk. <laughs> it says trout. Yeah, we should talk trout. Roster and div winners. It's worth also the Goldschmidt deal is interesting, I think. But yep, yep. You're just gonna, I'm going to have to pull up Roto World just to make sure that we talk about things that are important because, yeah. honestly, I've been, I've been running around like a chicken with my head so, cut so off. So I'm going I'm to hit a very important topic instead of 
RCO. No disrespect. I'm, I'm coming at this RCO. with skepticism, but let's. Uh, um, if, if it's about Amir Abdullah resigning with the Vikings, I'm out. Yeah, no, no, no. So <laughs> I turn on ESPN early morning. You're not off just, to a good start. Yeah, it's it's tough. I expecting Get Up, the the wonderful show that is Get Up, and I see a baseball game that counts between. Oh yeah, yeah. The Mariners. Ichiro. And, yeah. So Are you talking about Ichiro? Yeah. That's the direction I'm going. I I think a it's hard not to like him. I I. It's, again, coincidence, but I went and covered one of the series in Chicago last year, and it happened to coincide when Ichiro, like, semi-retired. Kind of mm-hmm. that weird. He was still in uniform, still taking batting practice, but he was no longer, like, playing around the roster. For yeah, the they had to re-add him to the roster this spring, to, and now they'll yeah. take him off again because he's retired, but they kept an they, open roster spot, which is... Well, they they could, I guess, because you could bring 28 players to Japan. I think I'm talking about 40-man spot. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point. He has to be active. Um, but he... Um, I think that it was the 04 year where he put up those like just stupid numbers. Paul Mahler was his hitting coach. Yeah, that's right. They, yeah, people were asking about that, too, because uh, the tw- Mike Berardino wrote a story. I think the Twins were interested in him to be their fourth outfielder like two or three years ago before he signed with the Marlins. yeah. And I mean, it didn't seem like he had that much left as a player, but, uh, you know, from an ambassador standpoint, from a hilarity standpoint, as far as who the guy is off the field would have been kind of cool. I mean, age 42 hit 291, 354, 376, not Ichiro, but like some speed, 42 years old. Ryan, what'd you think of the stuff? I mean, obviously the Yusei Kikuchi giving him the hug and tearing up and everything is kind of the, the headlines, but... He even made that one crazy throw, and it was just like, yeah, this guy still got it at least <laughs> better than most 42-year-olds that we know. And, he, I mean, he might be he might be 55 and still making that throw. He's just one of those guys yep. where he's, he's always going to seem to have some sort of baseball skill left in him. I mean, I'm convinced you put Paul Molitor up there and he can hit, he can still hit sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's just, it's, just one of those, it's just one of those things where he was born to play the game and that preternatural skill, and um, he, he's a living legend. You know, over I think what over four thousand hits combined between Japan and uh, Japan and the U.S. And reading this was probably the craziest thing: twenty-eight seasons combined between those two leagues. Nineteen in Major League Baseball, and nine in Japan. Started when he was sixteen years old. Just um, a living legend, one of the greatest players to ever play baseball. So really, really cool to see him go out on his terms and. Um, it's clear the impact he made, not only over in Japan, but here as well. So former twin Pat Light was tweeting about Ichiro and, yeah, another old friend, I guess. Yeah. He said, though, we're all in agreement that if Ichiro had started his career in the United States, he would have beaten the Pete Rose hits record. Now, yeah, yeah. so he finished a little over 3,000. He came over to the States, and I think he was 27 or 28. So if you're over 3,000, you need 42-something to pass him i'm assuming if you go six years at 200 hits per year you look at his his numbers in japan where he went just nuts at age 21 like that was his first huge year maybe it was even 20 i honestly i think he would have potentially beaten pete rose's hit record what say you ryan i agree i i think he would have and it's I don't. I don't want to say unfortunate that he didn't have that shot, but right. Well, I mean, um, he he obviously I, enjoyed I, playing in Japan, right? Um, obviously, obviously, started playing in Japan, played over there for a number of years. Um, but you know, I, I I think he would have. I just just one of the best hitters I've ever seen, and one of the guys that his speed helped him get a lot of hits as well. Mm-hmm. So you uh, you had that, and I think he probably would have done it had he had the shot to play in the MLB for a longer period of time. So whose send-off do you think was more emotional, his or Joe Mauer's? Because with each rose, we knew it was going to be the end. With Joe's, I mean, I think the writing was on the wall. I felt confident enough that I thought it was, but I definitely didn't feel confident enough to write it. You know what I mean? You don't want to take that moment from him either, and you don't want to be wrong, first and foremost. But if you can strip away the fact that you grew up a Twins fan, I grew up a Twins fan, Tom grew up a Twins fan, I'm sure, do you think that each rose was more meaningful because it was in Japan, which is so far away, but yet still home for him. Granted, Mowers was at home too. How do, how do you compare those two? Yeah, I, I think Ichiro's was probably more impactful. I mean, you mm-hmm. had um, two, two nations uh, very invested in the, uh, in the career and then ultimately retirement of this one player. 
see some of the emotion from the players, the Japan people in Japan. I think probably that Ichiro's was more impactful. Certainly for me, locally, Joe's was more impactful. I, you know, I, I think I shared the story, but I it stood up off my couch. I gave him a standing ovation from my living room when he was brought out at catcher. Didn't know what was going to happen, but made sure I wanted to watch that game, assuming it would be his last, not wanting to miss it if it was his last. How tall were those goosebumps that that day? What was that? How tall were your goosebumps that day? (laughs) They were pretty... uh, Pretty far off my arms there. I'll say yeah, that for the sure. hair on it the back a, of my neck was. It was up a for fun sure. day. Certainly a moment I won't forget. Um, but I think I think overall, I would I'd have to say Ichiro's is probably more nationally and internationally. And what one one thing too, Joe Mauer retiring. Uh, I was down at spring training a couple weeks ago. I wrote a story about yeah. what spring training is like without him too. So please check that out. Zonecoverage.com. That was a lot of fun. Tom, I, I still haven't made those edits you told me to, but I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Do, it, I'll do it sometime today. But, yeah, it, it was funny how coaching, like I talked to James Rouse and I talked to older guys like Kyle Gibson. It feels weird calling him an older guy, but he's, right, right, he's right. over 30. Young guys like Jake Cave, new guys who haven't been with the team that long like Trevor Hildenberger or guys who've been around him a long time. Like, I mean, Duffy was Yeah, Duffy there, was so, yeah. one that's been around for a long time. And, and they all were just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It's it, There was the retirement, which was like, okay, but then you get to the fort and you see his locker, which is down on the far left, just like Target Field. Yeah. And it's, I don't even remember who had it this time. Like Winston Sawyer was down there, but I don't remember who had the corner. <laughs> and it's just weird. And then we talked about two, especially with Gibson, I think it was, that it's Escobar, Dozier, Maurer. Oh, it was, um, I think it was Garver that said Escobar, Dozier, Maurer, and Molitor. Like every spring he'd been to, all those guys were there. And now they're gone. And, like, it's like, you know, this is completely different, not a bad thing, just not something that you are necessarily prepared to handle all at once. I think, to compare them real quick, um, if Maurer's last action, essentially, on a baseball diamond was lightning out a double, and I think if you look at his stats, I mean, he did, you know, two years ago, so age 34, he hit 305. You're kind of like, man, he's still, there's something there still, mm, even after yeah, those three yeah. really bad years post-concussion. Last year, 282. I mean, he's starting to kind of maybe dwindle a bit as a hitter. But if his last action is legging out the double, you're like, man, he still would offer something, especially given that first first base sure, is up yeah, in the it air. wasn't like he rode off into the sunset and had nothing left to give. Part of me wonders, though, like how would it be different if he'd have been thrown out there? It seems like these moments write themselves. Ichiro was, by the way, right? He couldn't leg out the single. I can't remember what it was. I just he didn't get a hit. I think. Yeah, he had a walk and like a fly out in the first game. Yeah, so just crazy. But yeah, it it just these things seem to write themselves, and I think that the way Joe Joe went out. I mean, there wasn't any way to write it any better. Ryan, do you agree with that? It was awesome. I mean, it was it was the quintessential Joe Maurer play ball, kind of in the gap, and him making the hustle play and and making a heads up base running play. That, by the way, I think he maybe gets thrown out on three or four percent of the time in his career. I mean, always seems to make the right play. Yeah, he never seems out of place. Joe Maurer was awesome. On the bases. It seemed like, I remember, I, I felt like Justin Morneau got thrown out quite a bit, like trying to leg singles into doubles, and he always felt yep. like he was, uh, you know, like a moose that, I guess a Canadian moose, <laughs> that once you start going, there's no stopping. And Maurer was yeah. the perfect counterpoint. He was just like a... a <laughs> like a, a, a one of those fast trains that takes you somewhere super fast, but never is out of place, never off time or whatever. Yeah, yeah like that one weird game where it was like thrown out on the base pass three times. Yeah, and we were all just like, whoa, yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa, like whoa, whoa, what was this? Rattled or something. Yeah. I, but, but my point there is I think the thing with the catching, aside from from an emotional standpoint, you like you see that one last time, he gets the standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the last impression isn't like kind of the, if you want to call it the vocal minority, people being like, ah, oh, Maurer sucks, right? It was... Here's 35,000 people or whatever cheering him on. With Ichiro, the problem is you saw that throw and you're like, man, he still has something. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I talked to my friend about this who's from Seattle. First of all, it was very meaningful that he ended up back in Seattle. It's weird if he retires like a Yankee or especially a Marlin. Nobody, like, nobody wants to retire a Marlin. <laughs> people, people want to retire in Miami, but they don't want to retire as a Marlin. Yeah. I think that's a very important, yeah. like the Golden Girls distinction. Those girls all moved to Miami because they're, 
50, believe it or not. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what 50-year-old women looked like three years, 30 years ago. So weird. Yeah. But retiring in Miami, totally defensible. Retiring as a Marlin, forget right. about it. Right. Forget it. So for him in Seattle, and then we mentioned in Tokyo, which is huge. Yeah. Um, I think my friend went through something similar. He's just like he couldn't even though it was so far away and all that, he's just watching on TV in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Very uh, early if like, you're in Seattle. Yeah, and he actually, to be fair, was uh, he's he worked overnight. So it was weird. It was like the end of his shift, or he stayed up after his shift or whatever. But um, he he said, yeah, it was super emotional, probably like a Minnesota fan would see with yeah. Mauer. A lot of them did. Um, it just, yeah, it was kind of odd that that's the last memory you have of him. Mm-hmm. Where with Mauer, you're like, I get it now. Like, he can't catch anymore. The concussions right. are an issue. It's not worth him risking his health to to be like a 270, 280 hitter for the last few years of his career. And um, let alone, even if he was better, like what, what, you know, there's just a huge risk there. And we had talked about it. It's like, it was a cool moment, but after you kind of, you know, emotional wave, and then you think about it practically and you're like, he doesn't seem to fit in his own gear because he he hadn't opened the bag right since 13. And it just seemed like it it was almost like Maurer playing Maurer for himself for one pitch. Yeah, or like Old Mauer acting as your younger self yeah. in the show, like where yeah. they dye your hair darker or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Where Ichiro, you saw the dark hair. You saw, I mean, he's with the gray hair. In this the case. gray hair or gray hair. I mean, um, but part of, you've seen Ichiro like this for a long time, and you're mm-hmm. like, he can still play. So yeah. it was, it was weird. Even from, so I thought it was a cool moment. It was just like, man, like, you know. That's crazy. You can still do that. Certainly. And he still would offer something to baseball. Certainly better than Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, send-off. Yeah. <laughs> Brief aside, you guys watched the Gophers game yesterday because let me yeah. just say, and this is, I mean, they won. Big deal. They shot threes and all that good stuff. <laughs> Every day should have live sports at, during the lunch hour. Yeah. Don't you think so, Ryan? I always used to feel that way when I was, it, like, in high school. It was a treat to, during March Madness time to go in the hallway and if there was like a TV in the hall and a game was on like every, so like it's, it's that period of time where you get a break from doing something, Mm -hmm. whether it's your job, whether it's some obligation and there's sports on, it's such a wonderful feeling. Wait, wait a second. A a TV in the hallway. Did you go to high school in an Applebee's? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's funny because in Applebee's, like in Plymouth, they have all the YZ stuff, you know, for like all the great athletes. So you go to, Applebee's for school and school and Applebee's. Maybe they're just a little confused. I, I don't know. <laughs> I love, I mean, during the state tournament, it happened in high school. That's also us. a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. And uh, a lot more locally relevant. Although, although if Michigan State had lost, was it, were they playing Belmont? Or who'd I they think, play? I think so. Bradley. Bradley. Bradley Kirby Puckett's alma mater. That's right. Belmont was playing Maryland. Yes. Bradley. If Bradley had won, I mean, hey, that, that gives the, the Gophers a very, real chance to make the Sweet 16. Granted, if Bradley beats Michigan State, you, they're going to have a very good chance to beat Minnesota. But I'd certainly feel better about their chances if they were going to play Bradley instead of Michigan State. But anyway, I'm not trying to make this a basketball show. I just think that that was a lot of fun to have that on during the day yesterday. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you get it during baseball season because obviously there's noon or 1 o'clock starts. Um, I mean, I've watched a little bit of spring training and a lot of it's just kind of, especially like Pineda or whatever, you're like, does he still have it? And, when, mm-hmm. you know, Perez, you're like, you kind of need to see it for yourself. You can read reports. He hit 97. I kind of want to see it. I saw it for myself. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real and it was spectacular. Um, and I think they, um, I'm I'm with you though. That is one of the, the best parts of the baseball season is, you know, like you'll be like, oh yeah, the twins are on. It's a Wednesday. I can, you know, have a meaningful game and granted one of 162, but you know. You talking about during the day? Yeah. Yeah. Thursdays, yeah, like Thursday yeah, day games. Yeah are almost uh, a regular thing, especially on getaway yeah, day. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think lunch hour baseball is is nice, but lunch hour sports at any time, I think is just awesome. So anyway, 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 I want to talk about one thing that had me all fired up on Twitter. And a lot of times my muse, my whatever you want to call it, my anchor, my boat anchor is Ryan say, DMing me saying, dude, let it go. These people aren't worth it. And in this case, I think thank you, were, you Ryan. Thank I think you. in this case, you were actually on my side that these people are nuts. People saying Mike Trout isn't worth thirty six million dollars per year. Like, so th- there was this crazy radio guy from like upstate something or other. I I ended up unfollowing him because I it was either a bit or he was just that. Why were you following him? I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> and so his his thing was. Yeah, I wouldn't have given Mike Trout this and and Alex Bregman's six year, hundred million dollar deal or whatever, five year. 
that's a good deal, but Trout's is bad. And it's like, how, how can you be that obtuse about value? First of all, first of all, Bregman is like two years in, three years in, he's given up some arbitration years, whatever. It's, it's a very different situation. Trout, granted, you know, 10-year extension and all that stuff, it's, um, it's a long time, it's a lot of money, but if there was any player you were ever going to do that for outside of young Alex Rodriguez who signed that deal, you know, back in 2000, like, this is the guy. And it just, it falls apart from the fact that for $36 million in any given year, you can't more efficiently allocate war, wins above replacement. And and the guy was ripping me for using war. So that's when I should have known it was just, wasn't going to happen between the two of us. But um, you can't more, for, for one year, you can't more efficiently get 10 wins at that price than Mike Trout. Even if you thought you could by by value shopping like Tampa Bay used to, you know, getting guys like Carlos Pena and turning that into more wins than you might expect for the dollar value, you're not going to do that on a consistent basis every single year. He's like, you need more players for that money. First of all, you know, you're being gaslighted by teams saying that they can't have bigger payrolls than they do. And, and that's not... Even still, if it's if it's a quarter of your payroll, which it shouldn't be, the Angels should be spending a lot more than you know thirty six times four. What is that? One forty, roughly. It's a, they, they should be spending more than that. Podcast. But either way, you're not going to more efficiently spend thirty six million dollars. And so the, that was where it just bothered me. Was one hundred forty four, one hundred forty four. Oh, so I was close. Ryan, what was, was your takeaway? Be no man. Yeah, exactly. What was your takeaway though from my argument? Because I felt like I was taking crazy pills. Well, no, it's, you're exactly right. So, And I, I kind of mapped it out and compared it to players from this free agency. So for $36 million, you could have had a DJ LeMayhew, a Daniel Murphy, and a J.A. Happ. Would Gross. you rather have those three or would you have Mike Trout? What a hilarious group of names. <laughs> well, in the worst... That's what I thought. You should have gotten J.T. Ramudo. You could have just done initials. He was a trade, though. I, I'm just making a joke. I'm sorry. But yeah, right, right. I just I have play, players that made roughly about twelve million dollars a year in yeah in yeah. Year. I'd rather have Mike Trout. Well, and the problem is, if you spend thirty six million on three players, three hitters, and even if you got, well, let's just say two, two eighteen million dollar hitters. So let's say you get Andrew McCutcheon and, I mean, did anybody else even sign for around that? I'm trying to think of who else was a free agent this year. Oh. Two, let's, let's just hypothetically say two Andrew McCutcheons at $18 million per year. Might you match the roughly 10 war that you would get from Trout with two Andrew McCutcheons? Sure, maybe, if, if McCutcheon no, gets no. back. What's that? If McCutcheon's at his ultimate, at sure. his absolute peak. But then you're also dis- discounting the fact that that's 600 more plate appearances you've added where Trout's giving you that value in 600 rather than 1200. So you have to account for that roster spot saved. And if if especially they're going to gain value if it's an outfield of like Trout and Joe Adele, you know, at $500,000 his first year, if he's a three-win player, which I think is a, a fair estimate, then you're 13 million or 13 war for 36 and a half million. It just makes it easier for the rest of your team to be a little less efficient. You can take a little more gambles. I mean, the, the the problem was with this logic was, yes, Albert Pujols' contract is bad, but you can't compound your mistake by then not signing Trout. Every executive would be fired on the spot for saying, first of all, trading Trout for five prospects, one of which might be half the player Trout is, because there's no team that can give you five prospects that are going to be, that even one of them would be guaranteed to be 75% of Trout. I just, I don't think, unless unless you're getting Toronto to give up Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Fernando Tatis Jr. from the Padres, and even still, the odds of them being Mike Trout are less than 1% in my estimation. Um, again, and then again, you're still suffering from the spreading out the value versus roster spots problem. Um, if you just let him walk, you're getting draft picks, which are an even worse proposition. Or you just pull the ostrich bit and you put your head in the ground and, and, and get fired for not doing anything. The, the the alternative to right. signing Mike Trout to this deal was what? And that was the question that could never be answered by this guy was what was, you know, he's like, they, they, they can't afford this. They screwed up with pools. Yeah, well, that do, you can't compound your first mistake with a second mistake. Also, those two aren't comparable. 
comparable. Pujols was in his 30s when he signed that yeah, contract. Yeah, it's, it's Mike not... Trout is 27 and has had the best start to a career of anybody in the history of Major League Baseball. Ever, there's ever. one guy that you can't ever, full stop, ever. If there's one guy you cannot complain about getting all this money, it's Mike Trout. I'm sorry. There is no argument here. We're only talking about no on-field value, too. Off-field value as far as fan loyalty. And, and you know, like Darren Ravel, I, I hate bringing up the name, but he's like, yeah, he was only 11th in jersey sales last year. Yeah, well, player oh. movement drives that, and he's on the West Coast. It's a, it's 10 o'clock before his games even start in New York City. So I, yeah, I, I go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, you go ahead. So a couple of things to consider here. I think to that point, he's pretty much the only thing that, other than Otani, that makes that team relevant. And Otani's cheap too. Like a, a team with Otani, Adele, and Trout in two years. And th- 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 that was the other f- thing that bothered me. He's like, well, they've had zero playoff wins with Trout. They could have done that without him. Okay, first of all, no. Like, would you take away Joe Maurer's entire career because he never played in a playoff winning? I don't even know if Joe Maurer ever won a playoff game. I, I, I know he definitely didn't win a series because um, because he was hurt in 04 when they yeah. were when they were playing anyway. Uh, you don't take away that guy's career. You, like... So is, is Mike Trout suddenly validated if they win one playoff game? Is he suddenly validated if they win a division series? Is he suddenly validated if they win the championship series but not the World Series? Like this this all caps rings with a Z at the end mentality that has pervaded sports radio. And it's even more relevant for guys like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, whatever, where one guy can have that much more effect. But this rings mentality... When applied by people who, first of all, don't know baseball, second of all, rarely talk baseball, whether it's a national you know, person who's at the forefront, like Colin Coward, who told people that Mike Trout is going to have to enjoy being rich and irrelevant, which first of all is the American dream. Who wouldn't love to be rich and not recognizable at the local mall? First of all, Mike Trout's neck is the size of my thighs, and I'm a very big guy. <laughs> If you see Mike Trout in a mall, you're going to be like, who the heck is this guy? And you're going to figure it out. But second of all, it's just a dumb point. Like, rich and irrelevant, that's the, that's the American dream. Add to that living in Southern California for the rest of your career. Sign me up right now if, if I had any modicum of baseball talent whatsoever. But all these arguments just you fall short for me. Cosmic level hot right now. I know. I love it. What, what a great reference. I've decided I'm not going to do this on the tweets anymore. I'm going to do it on the show. Because I why, love it. I why love should it. I keep giving away these takes when I can make them into hashtag content? Right? I love there it. There you go. I, so let's a let's, couple, couple things to throw at you with Trout. Um, he, Bryce Harper, by the way, through age 26... Sorry, this is through age 25, had a 27 war. <laughs> I bet Trout's at like 60. That's Maurer through age 26, and that's 21. Wait, Maurer or Harper? So I'm saying Harper Harper had a 27. Oh, and Ma- yeah, Maurer's pretty similar, isn't he? And Maurer, this is 21 through 26, so a little, little different, mm-hmm. but kind of in that early phase of his career before he signed the big contract, 27, right? And yep. total, he had 55. Mar- Mike Trout currently has a 64.2 war and that's through age 26 before signing is that baseball reference war this is baseball reference. on fan graphs he is 0.1 war away from tony gwynn's entire career right. tony gwynn who was the best peer hitter of his generation like he was the precursor to ichiro basically in, in terms of what they brought to the table as just hitters obviously not speed tony was built like kirby puckett sure, but hit sure, like sure, ichiro sure sure and Trout is a tenth of a win away from that. He passed Kirby Puckett like two years ago. Like this guy is already basically the best player of all time in terms of wins per year, value, whatever. Like he hasn't reached that 10-year point where the, the Hall of Fame can officially consider you. So if his career ended today, let's say he just lost his right arm, they'd probably have to make some kind of special exception, but they would. He's that kind of player. But yeah, he's already he already has passed just like an obscene number of truly great players that we wouldn't have even blinked about making the Hall of Fame. And that yet there was still so many people saying, oh, too much money. Nobody's worth that money. Wait until you find out that Artie Marino is worth $3 billion. So that gets to my next point. 
did not manipulate his service time, which right. you know is a huge, huge deal um, right now. He came up and struggled anyhow. Yeah, his first he, year was he, he was not going to win his nineteen. To be fair, Trout threw his career so far three oh seven four sixteen five seventy three. And again, I'm trying to just put all these players. So in he's a, he's a three four five guy. Yeah, and Maurer. This is through his entire career three oh six. So this is with the three bad seasons three eighty eight four thirty nine. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think this is more like Maurer is not as bad as people maybe think because of his the end of his career, but also just Mike Trout is in, he didn't have like this learning period that most players have. He had age nineteen, and then by the time he was twenty, he was an all star. Yeah, yeah the, the expectation that a nineteen year old who had just played in Beloit, um, yeah, so, or, or no, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, is going to be some kind of stud. Now, I mean, it's amazing. Harper, all-stars first season, yeah, right? Yeah, but we kind of start to see the trail off. The other thing you have to consider here is it, he makes him relevant. As much as the pool deal is not great, it's a good example of you got to be careful signing someone else's player because you've never got that value on the front well, end. And age. Right, and, and his age. But Mike Trout was on like 146 million dollar deal or something through mm-hmm. age 26 well i mean i i know every player's underpaid early and you make your money up later and it's yeah. just that's how it works but that's insane they got insane value off of him already even uh, if the end of the contract a, a fun point that somebody brought up was that a disproportionate number of these goofy contracts that we're looking at as being bad were handed out to first baseman you're talking about poo holes yeah prince fielder before he retired Miguel Cabrera now. Yeah. Um, Joe Maurer at the time wasn't, but became a first baseman. Yep. It's like it's almost like the game was like, oh yeah, we got this superstar first baseman. We're just going to give him a ton of money because you can hit into your thirties. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But but at why. this point now too, it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're not really that dynamically talented player that you are going to feel like you need to lock down for seven, eight, ten years now. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt. We'll talk about his extension. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to him five in- years though, and, and then people are like, oh, that's not very long. And at the same time, it's like. Yeah, but it's through his age 36 season. I mean, he's so great. Yeah, he's probably the greatest right-handed hitter um, that Arizona, I mean, easily that Arizona's ever seen and, and one of the best in, in this era. But yeah, five years to your age 36 season is still not nothing in terms of risk. Right. So I think going back, to, like they've done right by him except for building a winning team around him. Otani is an attractive star, right? It's mm-hmm. I'm curious where that all goes. It's certainly – an attractive location. Justin um, Upton doesn't suck either. They've got some nice players. It's also a division that, aside from the Astros, should be winnable. A's, I felt like, kind of overplayed, like, you know, kind of... Um, the A's are always going to be in the mix, but they're like the, they're like the, the Tampa Bay A's or the Oakland yeah, yeah, Rays. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah, the yeah. same team under a different name. And then Seattle's going through a huge rebuild. Yep. Um, I'm trying to remember who else. Texas is, is really not really going to be rebuilding. This year. I mean, Lance Lynn is their number three starter. Let's let's talk about that. Let's not actually. But. No, but <laughs> the point the point being there is that the Angels should eventually be able to wrestle the division away from the Astros if the Astros have any sign of coming back to earth, or really even they should because you have Mike Trout, you should be like a ninety plus yeah. hundred win yeah. team. It's more of an indictment on the team building, and it, it'll depend on if they can if the Astros can re-sign Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, who are both free agents this offseason, depending on. If they bring back Dallas Keuchel, who's still a free agent, and at this point it's kind of wild that he is, it's 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 about to get kind of strange. Ryan, we haven't heard from you in a minute, though. I mean, you're hearing me kind of rage. You're hearing Tom kind of rage. What what are your feelings? Yeah, I mean, I, I always felt like because the Angels haven't made the playoffs, that's everybody else's fault, but it's not Mike Trout's fault. Right. It's, it's, they make the they they don't. Not that they miss the playoffs because of Mike Trout. They missed the playoffs with Mike Trout being phenomenal. So it's more of an indictment on the team building than anything else. To your guys' point, I think Oakland takes a step back this year in the West. Seattle, obviously. Texas is horrible. Um, so the Angels are going to be right in that mix for this, kind of the first, second wild card spot, I think, along with the team we love and follow, the Twins. Well, not not Brandon, you're a reporter, but the team we I love, Tom loves, and <laughs> we follow the, 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 uh, the Twins. So, yeah. Yeah, I just it, it just it misunderstands value in that best player on a playoff team, you know, when you vote for the MVP to me double counts their value because you're already assuming that they're winning because of that player. 
but then you're also taking their value, and it's like, no, I, I, to, to be fair, I just don't think so. With the playoff stuff, and it's not on Trout, but it is a disservice to him that he hasn't been in it. Aside well, sure. from the fact that you have that good of a player, you I mean, be, Joe Mauer was in the same vein. He, by the way, did not. He lost four playoff games, yep. but again, was like a three seven or two seventy five hitter, got a base. In the well, not only that, but I mean, he, how, what percent of his games of his career were in the playoffs? Like, one percent. I mean, sure. Any any small sample size can be anything. You know, look, look at this spring and Byron Buxton, who people are still not sure if they believe in. Anything can happen in a small sample, no matter the stakes. Playoffs create moments, though, and so he could have a dramatic catch. He has a clutch hit. That's fine. I, and it's, my my point there is, it's not his fault that he hasn't been there. It is just like a disservice to baseball, generally speaking. Like I think you want a player like that to play in playoff but, games. But but I think your career is like a pitcher of water and. The regular season is the top. Sure. And then everything that happens in October pours over. Like, yeah. you should be judged by your regular season, and then you can be glorified or whatever, deify, I mean, whatever you want to call it for what you do in the playoffs. Because, like, Derek Jeter's regular season career, full pitcher. And then you add what he did, and it's like a waterfall. Joe Maurer's career, full pitcher. You look at the postseason, it's a trickle. And sure. that's fine if you want to. If you want to compare those two, but it doesn't change the fact that, in my opinion, Joe Maurer is going to be a Hall of Famer. Derek Jeter, no question about and it. And at the That's very least, Maurer will be remembered as one of the best athletes in Minnesota. Also, probably he I, played for me, he's years. the best athlete in Minnesota history because because of all the different sports he played and how good he was at each of them. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why his quarterback throws have shown up on these pitching Twitter accounts lately. The dude could sling it. I mean, these are NFL, yeah, or at least obviously Florida State Division One. Bobby Bowden level throws that he's throwing at the metronome against Eden Prairie in that title game. Yeah, and we saw him occasionally, uh, obviously on the field. I sure. think the final, my final point here is Bryce Harper was after him. He wanted, keep in mind that uh, I think he uh, Trout is from New Jersey, but he's from like the Philadelphia side, I believe. Like I think Millville. That, he's he's yeah. a big Philly rube. So you imagine that team? He goes back home. That owner wants to spend money. He's playing with Bryce Harper. That would have been bananas. If you're the because the Angels didn't need to. I think his contract was up after 2020. I believe the Angels did two more years, right? Yeah, the, yep. the Angels did not need to do this now. If you're them, show good faith. Be like, we got value all the way through. We're gonna throw this stupid number at you yep. that you know. And I mean stupid as in it's so much money. I think it's actually smart money. Spent. Well, it, it cracks me up that people are like, that's too much money. No person's worth that. What's your what's your threshold for that? You the average person also, like you're someone's me, worth that. Owners of baseball teams yeah, are. We, we can't even yeah, <laughs> yeah. we can't even comprehend two hundred million, let alone four hundred or even one hundred yeah. or even five million. So the idea that some average Joe sitting at a sports bar in Anoka is like, yeah, he might be worth <laughs> twenty million, but not thirty six. You don't know the difference. Like it's so stupid. It's it's just people wanting to be pissed off about something and and. For me, it always felt like Joe Maurer made everything look so easy that people were bitter about it. And he didn't hit home runs, which is an yeah, easy thing to which, point to. He, the value he did was walks. It was defense. It was. It was just. Yeah. It was. It was dumb. Um, Ryan, what am I forgetting? What are you forgetting? I'm sure you forget a lot of stuff, but I think um, you're covering all your bases here. What, let's <laughs> catch my breath. Let's talk. Did we ever talk about Arenado? Because I want to talk about Arenado and Gold. I don't Goldsmith. think so. Look, there's Arenado. There's Harper. Actually. Extensions in just recent days. You get Goldschmidt, and you get Arenado. You know, well, I think probably about ten days ago, uh, Blake Snell. And in right. fact, Blake Snell to me is a good litmus test for if they're going to sign Jose Barrios because they have, I think Snell has like twenty five. I, I tweeted it yesterday. It's like twenty five more days of service or twenty eight, twenty seven, something like that. So five years and fifty million seems kind of light for a guy who had a sub two ERA last year, won the Cy Young. But I believe over the last two years, the value is probably a little closer as far as um, as far as Barrios being a little more stable. I don't think Snell was as good the year before, but I think that's a good baseline. I would say obviously Barrios wasn't as good as him last year, but if you could get Barrios for five and fifty, I think you have to do it yesterday. Ryan, you, you tend to agree? Yeah, I would agree, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something come down the pike here on Barrios, just because we've seen a lot of comparable deals get signed uh, mm -hmm. in recent weeks. Right. You know, the other day we saw Severino get signed, and we saw Aaron Nola get signed. Didn't again. Severino get hurt so like three, two days later? Yeah. I mean, he, uh, yeah, he signed his extension. I think about a few days later, he hurt his shoulder. <laughs> isn't that the so, isn't that the definition of what pitching has to or like pitchers have to deal with in terms of risk mitigation these days? Pretty much, man. I mean, Ugh. there's a reason they say there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Tin staff. Really? It's kind of, yeah, tin staff. It's kind of the nature of the game, though. I mean, 
pitchers can pitchers can get hurt or blow out at any moment. I mean, all it takes is one pitch, right? Yeah. So, um, so Tom wants to talk about Arenado, so though. Yeah, let's no, let's t- let's talk about Arenado. Well, I think to me the weird dichotomy with with Arenado was with the way teams are spending right now, or or maybe not spending was that it might be, and I think we discussed this on the show around the time it happened, was that there was a potential he was going to get an average annual value less than his last year of arbitration, which was this year, because, you know, the open market isn't having that many guys make $30 million. And and is he worth it? Yeah, there's no question about it. It was just how much risk is he willing to take of being a year older, teams being skeptical of his outside-of-course numbers, any number of things that really shouldn't be all that risky – because of how great of a player he is, being held against him. I mean, who would have thought that Craig Kimbrell would still be unsigned? I mean, yeah, the walks are a little bit concerning, but he is also the best. Yeah, Justin thinks it's going to be the Brewers. I mean, the walks are a concern, but he's on the path to be right up there with Mariano Rivera as the best closer of all time. And yet, you know, he's still flipping through the Rolodex trying to figure out who the heck's going to sign him now. I don't know. I mean, the reason Goldschmidt took this deal is clearly because he's been scared off by the market. I mean, is he so much worse than Joey Votto that he should take half the money? I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind that's not accurate. Yeah, I agree. But I also think kudos to these teams for for realizing and paying players, specifically in the Arenado deal, paying players what they're worth. I mean, I I, don't, I think Arenado, was, it was maybe a bit of an underpay relative to what he would get on the open market. But still a very fair deal to him. And if he likes Colorado and likes to avoid and wants to avoid free agency, I think it's a great deal for both sides. Do you think Gold Goldschmidt was not willing to sign this deal with Arizona? Because I mean, p- people were asking on Twitter last night, like, why didn't this deal happen in Arizona? And I think that that after he was traded, he still had to see the rest of this free agent market play out and be like, ooh, uh. I mean, I know he fell in love with St. Louis and all that, but this second free agent market of of basically being a, a, a frostbite situation has to scare some of these big name free agents and saying, look, I'll secure the bag as big as it can be right now to avoid having to, you know, whip in the wind for three months or four months and get to spring late and have a bad season and possibly become the next, you know, Josh Donaldson or Jose Batista, who both, you know, left some money on the table or or ended up losing hypothetical money because of injuries or or ineffectiveness on the field. To the point, yeah, I mean, I think had, so to answer your question, had, had Arizona hypothetically not traded Goldschmidt to St. Louis and then he watched this free agent market play out um, and they offered a comparable deal, I'm sure he's a diamondback. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I would imagine that would be the case. I honestly don't think it's a, a terrible deal for either side there either. I, I kind of compare it to the deal that J.D. Martinez got from Boston five years, $110 million. Um, I think through his age 35 and 36 season with a couple of opt-outs. Mm-hmm. So it's, and, and Goldie got 20 million more than that overall in the deal through his age 36 season with no opt-outs. So I honestly didn't think it was, was too bad for him to, to kind of just secure the money, avoid free agency, maybe a bit of an underpay on his side, but it is, it is financial security. It is knowing where you're going to be for the next five years and to not have to go through the stress of the free agency period with the way the market is set. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate the idea if teams are going to go shorter deals too, as long as they are, you know, putting the money where their mouth is. But it's it's two separate situations. If you're the Rockies, again, they're kind of in that Angels camp where now they have been to the postseason and it's, it's some relatively like high stakes games, right? It's been like kind of winner near in or whatever. About the Rockies, yeah, yeah, some wild card games and, and sort of thing like that. And Todd Helton, there some early success. All yeah, they stuff, played in the World but, Series that year. Yeah, but but I think they, generally speaking, among all the teams in baseball are one of the least relevant, which is weird given they're in Denver, which is kind of this, it's like a cool city. It's, I think it's, if anything, like the, it's a think, cool spot. Think how the Broncos are received nationally, mm-hmm. how the avalanche are among hockey fans. Um, maybe the nuggets le- less or so, but it feels like the Rockies in that division. It hurts. Be, it hurts to be in the same division as first of all, the Dodgers and the giants. Have Second of all, the giants, the giants are, yep. but look at but it. But the Padres are now the next up and comer too. And so it's, it's a it's a weird spot, and they spent. This is my my one thing was they spent like sixty million or no, forty five like forty million on relievers per year, and they all stunk. I mean, Brian Shaw bad, Jake McGee bad, um, Wade Davis was fine, 
but they spent a crazy amount of money on relievers to, you know, the Twins had a better ERA. As and a bullpen they, and they always have trouble pitchers. And granted, pitchers granted, ERA is not the apples to apples because Target Field is, um, you know, totally different than, than Coors Field. But, yeah, th- 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 that's why I keep coming back to there's no guarantee when you spend money on relievers. I mean, Addison Reed, probably going to start this year on the yeah. injured list. But Addison Reed should have been one of the more stable For relief sure. assets, and he's he's really struggled. But And, and I th- pitchers don't want to be there not only because – supposedly you're more likely to give up a home run. In the well, scenario. the breaking balls don't break as yeah, much. That's where I was going with that. So it's a, it's a really interesting market. I think if you have a player who who wants to be there, who you have to. Track I mean, it's Carlos Gonzalez, you know, yeah. they, they kept him for a long time, Todd Helton. Yeah. When you find someone who embraces the market, and granted it's pretty much always going to be a hitter, but I mean, sign how, him up. How is this division that much different than the Central's worst? But the the Indians obviously much smaller market than LA, but mm-hmm. seem like the Dodgers and the it's weird that the Dodgers are acting like the Indians. Let's put it that way. Where well, shouldn't that be team be spending? Well, you mean where tra- they didn't sign Bryce Harper, they didn't uh, trade for they, or, or sign Manny Machado, yeah. they didn't trade for Corey Kluber like everyone wanted. And yeah, they, it's they, weird. They took this. They're almost kind of like the basketball equivalent would be the Brooklyn Nets, where the Nets spend all this money and then kind of spent it wrong and or Knicks, yeah, or, or something like that. Not 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 the Knicks in terms of bad, but. Better ownership than yeah. the Knicks. Oh, but yeah. but my, my point is, like, the Dodgers should be a beatable team. I think it's what the Padres saw was that the Padres are sort of in that L.A. market. They're about two hours south, right? Mm-hmm. They It should be attractive to free agents. It certainly They've been just shadow. so hamstrung for so long, even though they've had the, the new right. park. is just It feels like they can't get fans to come out. But they, they, they're building up their prospects. The Giants had their run. They're... You know they're now obviously rebuilding Diamondbacks. Not going to be very good. The Rockies have an opportunity. I think the interesting thing about the Cardinals is Brewers are good, right? Yeah, mm, it's debatable. <laughs> I just got to get on Justin. Reds, Reds, Reds are going to win Make eighty. It, they're going to win eighty-two of the most boring we, games you've ever imagined. It, it, but just like a weird, they're a weird kind of rebuilding team. Um, Cubs track record of success. The Pirates are kind of the. You know, obviously they were good for a while. They're going to win seventy-two games or eighty-two games, but they're not going to win more. Yeah, and the, it, the, Cub, the Pirates are just like a really cheap team. But yep, yep. the Cardinals, and I think we've said this for a while, are the model the Twins should be looking at. Yeah, because with Pujols, they said, "Fine, walk. We got your best years." There was what he had like a, he was an All Star at age thirty-five or something like that. But the bulk of his All Star appearances there was the second as, year he was in LA that he just completely tanked, I believe. And, and um, in this case. It's a risky move because it's a player who's 30. He's had a track record of success in – I mean, he had a success in another market. But five years – I think the term to me is the big thing, that you sign him through age 35. He should be able to hit through then, and mm-hmm. you don't have a Pujols contract where you have a, him at age 37. People are like, right. hey, he's washed out. So, well, and Pujols with that many years left besides – it's, I mean, it's cool. They traded for him. I think that if he doesn't sign there, that's a really bad trade. He gave up a whole bunch of assets for one year. It was a lot of assets, but it was like a lot of guys. Like It was like spare parts. It was like they emptied out the junk drawer. Yeah. You know, like Carson Kelly was never going to catch with Molina there. And yeah. they have a guy that's kind of jumped above him. And 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 um, the pitcher was uh, yeah, Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver, yeah. Um, you know, again, a good pitcher, but not a stud. And then who am I missing? There was one other player, right? There was. I can't think of who Yeah, was. but I mean, it was it was all guys who were like good, but not like just monstrous. You know, they sure they, right. they, they turn out guys like this every single year that are just competent big league players, which is a, a credit to their player development, which is what the Twins are trying to do yeah. as well. L- Luke Weaver, Carson Ke- Kelly, um, and infielder Andy Young. So okay, and um, I don't remember much about Andy Young. And, and so that my my point there is that. They have created a good program that people want to be part of in a relatively unattractive market that's like the size of Pittsburgh, basically. That kind of in the in the high twenties. That's the model for for the twins. Yeah, it's all about the vibe you create. I mean, yeah. Minnesota could create that. I don't know in a bigger market. Yeah, I mean, granted, more attractive city. I mean, granted, in St. Louis, you know, the Rams didn't work there, so yeah, yeah. they didn't have a Vikings. So to speak. I mean, sure. they had they had a team that played in a dome like the Vikings, but you know, they and they have, have a college like fan base. I sure. feel like it's a you but it's know. it's rabid. Like they yeah. may literally have rabies. Like <laughs> it's it's wild. It, it's wild. You got a Brewers fan here who's like, yeah, they do. Next to Bush Stadium, yeah, with, I mean, with all the bars, like nine bars connected. That's what makes them rabid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're they're frothing for one reason but or another. It, it is it is. As an aside, a great experience for a baseball fan. It's just crazy there, how and there's big no reason is there. the Twins can't be that. They have yeah. Target Field, 
All the bars are on Target Field. It's it's situated in an area with breweries and everything. I mean, I think the process that it takes to become that is what the Twins are doing. You can't say, let's build a stadium, let's build a bunch of bars, and by the way, then our team will be fun. It's you have to build a team through player development that fans want to come see, and then everything else around it is... Ex- the Metrodome was an example. People went to the Metrodome even though it was a terrible baseball venue, but because the team was exciting. And like, even still, I mean, their attendance wasn't great. Like, 90, 91, when they grossed $3 million, or were the first yeah. team to go over... It was three or four, I can't remember. Um, that was because the team was good. If you're good, you can do so much more. But they need to plant the seeds and let them grow. They can't buy trees, plant them, and hope they grow. No. That's just a target field trees metaphor that probably will be (laughs) lost on a lot of people. But they need to plant the seeds, let the trees grow, and then prune the trees. The the best thing that happened for the Twins is that Byron Buxton is a $450 million player. Like, he's a 330 hitter. Well, and he's already already too far behind that curve because of his age. Yeah. So the best thing that happened to the Twins at this point is he's a $200 million player. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Big contract for Buxton. And that a player that you need – comes yeah, in oh, yeah. size for five years, right? Yeah. They, they, they do want to target a free agent of that ilk. Now the problem is there just may never be that free agent because of how the market's going, which is, is problematic. What do you say, Ryan? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, we talked about it a couple podcasts ago about maybe next year's the time for the big move. This is before they had said Marlin and before they did the extension to pump some more money into the payroll. But you know, we talked about maybe next offseason time for the big move, and um, the name we mentioned was Arenado. Well, now he's mm-hmm. you know he's off the market. Now Goldschmidt's off the market. Garrett Cole might sign with staying. the Astros, you know. Garrett Cole might sign in Houston. Yeah. Now teams are staying in house, and maybe the best best free agent on the market will be a thirty six year old Justin Verlander. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. And he might talk so, to the Astros too. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. So the the big splash move might not be out there. And, um, I do agree that it is. It, it becomes all the more important for the Twins to be able to build from within on a consistent basis mm-hmm. and build a sustainable contender like the Cardinals have for years. Now, I don't think that means the Twins overplayed their hand because with the financial no. flexibility they were allowed, trades will always be in play, and I think that they're aware of that. But when you look at the teams that claim they're overextended right now or you see the contracts that don't make sense anymore, those are the Miguel Cabrera making $30 million for the next six years or whatever it is. I mean, if that guy was a free agent now, you'd be getting a one-year deal, a two-year deal at the most and way less money. The teams that operated under where the market was three or four years ago are hurting. Now, it's self-imposed hurt because of, again, the gaslighting by ownership saying, oh, we're stretched out, we're tapped out. You know, the Cubs saying that they don't have any more money. But, so I think the Twins are still in a good place, but they may not have their pick of the litter when it comes to Garrett Cole or whoever next off season, it might be, you know, trade some of that prospect capital and it can still work in their benefit because teams are still going to want to stay young and stay cheap. Assuming they identify guys they'll trade outside of Kirilov and Lewis. But at the same time, then they may end up having to take on one of those deals that teams aren't super crazy for having handed out. So I think they're still in a good spot as far as it comes to acquiring or getting that player to put them over the top, whether it's a number one or two starter a up-the-middle talent or an up-the-middle talent, a catcher, whatever. But it's going to co- be a little bit more of a creative situation rather than, oh, hey, Yasmani Grandal is a free agent. Just sign him. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It makes, I mean, it makes complete sense when you put it that way. Um, I do think – so this has specifically been a, a point of contention. I've, I've talked about it with a couple friends of mine who are Twins fans. The bullpen mm-hmm. and the thought that, oh, you know – they, you know, they didn't go out and spend in the bullpen. Or are they really going to rely on internal options in the bullpen? Well, if they're good enough to contend, they can always make a move. I mean, the, the trades are going to be there um, in, in the middle of late July for bullpen options. Those are going to be out there. Those are going to be available. So I, I don't think they need to wring your hands over at this point. Well, um, there's more clarity in July of who's having a good season, too. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, if you sign someone now, like Addison Reed... I mean, you do that deal over again for a player with those numbers but not that name. You don't know if they're going to have a good season. In the middle of July, if a guy's got a 1-5 ERA and striking out a guy per inning, at least you're like, yeah, this guy's rolling. You've got a good chance of at least continuing that and making it worth your acquisition cost, whether it's players or money in that case. So I do like that, even though, again, it does cost you players instead of just money. 
And the other, the other thing too is like if, if you start loading up on bullpen arms like Nick Vincent or, you know, any number of the guys who are like, yeah, that guy's decent. He might be something, you know, like a Steve Ciszek type or something. I mean, he wasn't a free agent, but you know what I mean? Like a, a decent but not great type. Then you're pushing guys like Adalberto Mejia and Matt McGill out the door. And I know people aren't going to cry over Matt McGill, but this is a guy who had three pitches with double-digit whiff rates last year. And you can't just let guys like that walk out the door. The people that don't have to make those decisions are the same ones that get ticked off when Liam Hendricks becomes a beast throwing 97 for the Oakland A's. And it's like, okay, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't sign 20 guys because, first of all, roster, whatever. But you can't just sign guys, get rid of your in-house guys, and then be ticked off when the in-house guys go do it somewhere else. You have things invested in these guys. No, yeah, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, and you, you look at what's available out there now or what was. I mean, you're talking about guys like Tony Sip and Ryan Madsen. Are you really going to get upset if we don't bring the Tony Sip and Ryan Madsen? Even no. if it's on a minor league deal. I mean, they brought in Mike Moore and brought back Ryan Harper on minor league deals. Those are the guys they brought in on minor league deals. So, that, I mean, there's not like there's infinite amount of space available. Not only that, but the guys that got on minor league deals, the Preston Gilmets, the T- Tim Collins, Mike Morin. Tim Collins, um, by the way, woof. Tiny Tim. Beard. Ooh, yeah. yeah. His beard's bigger than the rest of them. Um, <laughs> those are all guys, though, Ryan Harper, all guys that can get outs this year. And people are like, well, why doesn't Ryan Harper make the team? Because if he makes the team, someone else doesn't, whether yeah, it's McGill. You have to understand the, the roster. Yeah, so works. if you – and they're like, well, Ryan Harper could probably help this team. Yes, so could Matt McGill. There's no real difference. Both guys have nasty stuff. So you go through the guy that's already on the 40-man roster, the guy that's out of options – and if someone else gets hurt, then you bring in the Tim Collins, the Preston Gilmet, the whoever. Um, you know, it's all a part of the process. It's the same reason why you go with Juan Castro and make Jason Bartlett edge him out back in 2005. You always go with the, the guy that can be pushed aside because you can't do it the other way around. You can't bring up a kid, keep the, young, the old guy down in Rochester, and then do flip-flop. Plus, even if you could, you'd be jerking the young guy around. And so you need to do it all as a process of how these things have been done by teams for many, many, many years. There's a reason that the guys that are in the positions that they're in in the front offices are there and the jabronis who sit and complain about the stuff around their couch. <laughs> or in under their comforter um, with a temp of 103.7. <laughs> or under their comforter in the dark in their bedroom, yeah. Yeah, you got yeah. a you got a FM radio temperature right now. <laughs> oh, God. It's uh, <laughs> amazing. Cool. Um I think I think the idea of making a young player beat out a veteran isn't a terrible idea to start the season, right? Like give mm-hmm. give some right. kind of baseline. Anytime I, you bring in competition, the cream rises at the top, and people that don't know that or don't believe that have never had to fight for anything like that in their life. I think I think the other thing is they have to have success with the young players. That's drafting them and development. Mm-hmm. So I think of like the Jake Reeds, the Shargua, the Rosario. I don't. This is Randy Rosario, right? Was the reliever? Yeah. Yeah. I. I I'm not suggesting those three specifically like should be on the team or impact. But if you give up on those guys to bring in someone like Addison Reed, now you hear people ticked off that JT Shagwa, who got sent out by the Dodgers just the other day, Randy Rosario had a bad spring. Uh, you know, you get why do you get rid of those guys? Well, you would have also supported signing Fernando Rodney and Addison Reed and whoever else. You can't so have the both point ways. is those should be developed internally. Sure, and, and, and I think like developed a- internally and and flipped for. For dollars on the penny, the opposite of the pennies on the dollar. Right, and and, and kind of figure out what to do with, um, like, a Presley. You know, like yeah, a guy yeah, like yeah. that. Make sure, make sure that. Like, is, people- does it stink that he signed an extension and won't be a free agent? Sure, you maybe could have brought him back. However, they got some interesting prospects for him, and I don't begrudge them of that because a reliever, first of all, a guy who was a Rule Five guy, didn't strike anybody out, and then became a stud. Also, became more of a stud after the Twins, not with the Twins, mind you. Um, they sold him at the top of his value. If, even if you don't like the fact that he's not a twin anymore, they still did it by the book in terms of how you need to maximize value out of guys who, I mean, two years ago, Presley had that really rough year where he gave a bunch of homers and like a 480 RA. He's still the same guy. He still had great stuff. It just didn't put it together. Sometimes it happens someplace else. You can't be mad it happens somewhere else if you want these teams to keep adding guys and pushing other guys out. No, no. I mean, the key is make sure you get his pitch sequence where sure, it, right? Sure, sure. Or Romero, with Romero... If he's not a starter, figure out how to make him a good reliever. And you're not going to have success to, yeah. with every yeah. player, but just more than less. It just it doesn't seem like they're doing that enough, or at least they hadn't in the past. Sure. Probably pre-Falvey Levine. 
Hey, Ryan, how about we have you back next week? We'll talk a little bit about division winners, a little bit of season preview. We'll talk about who we think on the Twins will be good. I was thinking we might run over the division winners today, but we're kind of up against it time-wise, and I also think, too, it'd be kind of fun to have you back and talk, you know, who you think is going to win each of these divisions because, I mean, there's some guys, or there's some teams on the AL that are packing it in, there's some teams on the NL, but I think there's going to be some really fun races, too. Sounds good. Uh, little, but just a little preview. Justin will be happy. I'm big on the Brewers this year, so there we go. Oh, man. Justin he, is happy. He just did, like, the Fonzie A, so he's a... He's pretty excited. Lit a cigarette. That's we'll, crazy. Yeah, he's not even allowed in here. Um, reminds me of my hotel in Fort Myers, the smoking <laughs> room. Whoa. Oh, well, anyhow, uh, yeah, we'll talk about we'll see if we'll see if Justin's Brewers have a new closer. First of all, out of necessity, because the uh Mr. Corey Knable is ailing, and our guy uh Jeremy Jeffers has got a shoulder that he's dealing with. So it might be out of necessity that they don't have Josh Hader throwing the ninth inning. But We'll see what happens. It's going to take a while to get Kimbrel up to speed. But anyway, Ryan, thank you for your time, and hopefully we can talk to you next week. Hey, take care, guys. You got it. So for Justin producing, for Ryan Turnquist, at two underscore underscore canes with a Z on Twitter, Tom Schreier, at T Schreier 3 This is Brandon Warren signing off. Find me on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Warren. You've been listening to Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. 